Well, good morning, Salaville Church. It's such a privilege, really, to be home. And really, that's what Salaville will always be to me, a home. Uh, this is the ministry that God used uh, to lead me to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ back on November 2nd of 2001, back when we could hug each other and shake each other's hands. Um, Pat gave me the privilege of continuing your series, and so I know that's a great responsibility. And so if you have your Bibles, make your way to Exodus chapter 20 in verse 7, which is the third commandment. That's where I'll be taking us this morning. Growing up, my understanding of the Ten Commandments was that God had a list of ten do's and don'ts to decide whether you're going to go to heaven or not. Not knowing, really, what those ten were, I knew probably a handful of them. It gave me confidence to do whatever I wanted to do. As I continued to grow deeper and deeper in my sin, the understanding of the Ten Commandments really just became an afterthought to me, especially since I was learning that sin was fun. So what happened? How did the understanding and my understanding of the Ten Commandments change? How did I begin to have a right understanding of sin and what the Bible says about it? Well, that is always where God comes in, isn't it? He's the hero. He's the hero of the Bible. He's the hero of the universe. Jesus said in John 15, hours before he would die on the cross for our sins, that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit of God will come, the third person of the divine trinity, and his job in the redemption plan is to what? Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Well, there it is, or there he is. God would, by his grace, lead me to a right understanding of my sin. My response, your response, Lord willing, is to repent and believe that. Believe the truth of the gospel. I did that, like I said, on November 2nd, 2001. This drug-dealing, fake-ID-making, sexual pervert laid all my sin, especially my sin of unbelief, that Jesus was enough, at the foot of the cross. I asked Jesus to truly forgive me of my sin and give me a new heart. I wanted to make him famous after that day. I was 26 years old and I had wasted my life. So why the testimony for an intro into the Ten Commandments? Well, 
first of all, I just love sharing a testimony of what God did in my life. But I also believe it's appropriate for our understanding of the Ten Commandments. As you study them, as we evangelize through them, there are unbelievers that understand the Ten Commandments in a certain way. There are believers that understand the commandments in a certain way. Where do you sit this morning? Are the Ten Commandments a means by which you can be saved? Or a means by which you understand your need to be saved? Before we get to the commandment, look with me at somebody's understanding of the commandments in Luke chapter 18. You remember the rich young ruler, right? He approached Jesus and he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, I mean, listen to the arrogancy. All of these I have kept from my youth. When we read the Ten Commandments, they should remind us of God's holiness and our great sinfulness, and especially our need for a Savior to redeem us. Make no mistake, though, the Ten Commandments are very important to God. He didn't give this list to say, well, it's no big deal, you can't keep them. No, these were a big deal. They still are a big deal. And they were also a picture of the need for his son to keep them perfectly, to be the sacrifice for us. When you and I, as if you are a Christ follower, minimize this law, the Ten Commandments. We minimize the holiness of God, and we think we're actually better than we really are. We minimize the power of the gospel in our lives, not only for salvation, but for day-to-day living. So my hope this morning, really, is as we study just the Third Commandment, that it wouldn't lead us to pride, which is, hey, I'm doing this, but it would lead us to a greater understanding of how close we need to be to our God and the testimony it provides to the people that don't know Him. This morning, the third commandment is my assignment for us to consider. And my hope is is it draws you closer to God. Look with me at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Now, there are three understandings that typically come from what we think this commandment means. Most would say, and this would be me at the very beginning of 
before I understood um, just the whole grasp of this commandment, it's profanity. Using God's name in profanity. And trust me, every once in a while, Dean Bell knows this, I will miss a three-point shot. It's rare. But when I do, I would use that sort of language. Profanity. You can also, the, the, the meaning of this, using this uh, in this commandment is frivolously. Uh, for example, we love the song, and I love the song, uh, and I'm not a good singer, so I'm just going to articulate it, not sing it. That's not my job. But you know the song, Oh my God, He will not delay my refuge and strength always. You, you, you know that song, right? I mean, you probably don't the way I just said it. But it is a song that starts with, Oh my God. Now, to use that frivolously is what we often see in text messages with OMG. So we, God is talking about it using it as profanity and, and frivolously, but, but I want us this morning to really get a grasp of what I think is another understanding of this, this commandment, and that is, is that it's meant to help us to understand our hypocrisy. Claiming to know God, but acting as if we don't. So let me break down this verse a little bit to give us maybe a little clearer understanding that it means more than just profanity and frivolously. Look at Exodus 20, verse 7. If you have pens, if you like to mark up your Bibles, I would encourage you to highlight the word take. You shall not take. The word take, it's a great word. It literally means to lift up. It's also a synonym for the word, or to take an oath, to swear by something. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We see this word, take, used as an oath, as a swearing. Uh, in Exodus chapter 6, 8, you probably already studied it as Pat went through Exodus. But in verse 6, 8, it says this, I will bring into you the land that I swore to give, God, when he tells you something, he's making an oath. He's not telling lies. That's what the word take literally means. You shall not take. It's a word that's often used in legal cases to make oaths. So you shall not lift up. You shall not make an oath. You shall not swear by. Let's take a look at the next part. Exodus 27 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God. The word Lord there is Yahweh. It's the proper name for God. Now, if you were a Hebrew, a name was very important. A name meant something to the Hebrews. You remember back when Moses met God for the first time, he asked God what? What is your name? Look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 with me. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is your name? It was very important to the Hebrews. Your name was your character. 
who you really are. You don't want a bad name. A name can, a bad name can ruin you. It still can, can it? We can compare this name to being called a lawyer, right? Sorry for any of you lawyers out there, but someone screwed up that name. How about you car salesmen? Somebody messed that one up. Now, are there good lawyers and good car salesmen? Yes, I hope you're one of them. When Laura, my wife, when her dad was dying, he had brain cancer, so we knew he was going to die. And so we hired the, and when you live in a, small town, in a small town, you probably got about two choices to pick between lawyers. Well, we picked the wrong one. This lawyer's job is to clean up the estate, in a sense, to file all the documents and do all the things that you do when someone dies. We thought it was all done. Six months after, we got a letter from the court saying, why haven't you closed your dad's estate? What? Well, we found out the lawyer never, he just took our money and didn't do anything. So we had to pay another lawyer to actually do the closing of the estate. That's why I use lawyers as an example. Your name means something. God's name means something. Proverbs 22, Solomon writes, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Jesus, when teaching his disciples to pray, would tell them in Matthew 6, 9, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, be your name. The name of God is holy. The name of God is set apart. The name of God is special. Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Amen? The name of God meant so much because his name describes his character. El Shaddai, God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Adonai, my master, Elohim, the God of power and might. It's the very word used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. The name of God meant something. The name described his character. God has serious ramifications. Look at the last part of the verse in verse 7. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 18, 
Look at the serious ramifications of using God's name improperly, the character of God. In Deuteronomy 18, it says this, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, the same prophet shall die. If you look at Jeremiah 28, you read of a prophet named Hananiah. Oh, he loved to proclaim victory for Israel. You're all good. Don't confess. And and Hananiah would die as well. So let's put this together. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Vain is a word that is used to describe worthlessness, useless, empty, a lie. To make something that is special common. The word vain, its primary meaning is to call something a lie or a falsehood. I love what John Piper says. He he offers a reflection of what it means to take God's name in vain. The idea is don't empty the name. Don't empty God of his weight and his glory. We misuse his name, Piper says, when we speak of God in a way that empties him of his significance. So so if I could, let me put this verse together as we broke it down to give us maybe a fuller meaning of this commandment. You shall never make an oath Swear by, lift up the holy and perfect name of God and all of his character and make it a lie to people. Make it worthless to people. This is more than just saying Jesus or God in a cuss word. That is part of it. That is part of making his name worthless. But the, the meaning here is that you are making God into a lie. I was ministering to a couple. They were a married couple. And the wife, she was in the midst of a couple affairs. And she told me through counsel, she was was a professing Christ follower, she proceeded to tell me that God wanted her to commit adultery because it made her, catch this, happy. This is an example of what this commandment means. This commandment, from, from what I've studied, shows us how to honor God and His character. This commandment is about telling us not to be a hypocrite. 
It's, it's, for, for Christ followers, it's telling people you're a Christ follower in the context of a Hebrew. You're saying God's name and his character mean nothing to me. And Paul would rip on the, the, uh, the Hebrews in Romans chapter 2, I don't have this verse up, but Romans chapter 2 says, the name of God, he was speaking to the, the Pharisees, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You've read that before, haven't you? When God gets smaller, our sin always gets bigger. When you and I have an honoring and glorifying God, the God of the Bible, the God and his character together, God gets bigger and our sin takes a back seat. The gospel of Jesus Christ is minimized in our life when the holiness of God, his character, his name is minimized. Again, the last part of this verse explains how serious this is. We need to be, it says, you will not go unpunished if you take his name in vain. What does this mean? Well, I mean, it could mean a couple of things. To someone who's an unbeliever, it's very clear. The punishment is an eternal death. Separation from a holy God. It's someone who speaks of knowing God, but God doesn't know him. And we know in the Bible that there are lots of people like that. Matthew 7 speaks of people saying, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says, I don't know you. Or in John chapter 2, they, many believed in him, but I didn't believe in them. These are unbelieving believers. It was true of the Hebrews. It's true of Christ, professing Christ followers. They are unbelieving believers, and they will not go unpunished. But I think it also speaks to those of us who know Christ, truly, who have, who have a, a saving knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the, the punishment here is, 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 listen, when you continue to live as a Christ follower with hypocrisy, when you profess the name of God and you live like you don't, well, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us we will experience the discipline of the Lord because his desire is for us to be a living testimony. I mean, isn't that what he, uh, uh, Moses taught in the first 18 chapters of Exodus? That, that these Israelites were going to be, uh, what did he say in, in uh, isn't it Exodus uh, 19 verse 6, right around there, 1 through 6, that we are to be a, a priest a kingdom of priests, he told the Israelites. All that means is they were supposed to be an example to people, to the pagan world. It's no different today. As Christ followers, we are a Bible that people aren't reading. So to the believer, Jesus wants us to know, the Holy Spirit wants to shape our understanding. God wants us to understand that, listen, you can't continue to live a, a life that is contrary to the character of God. So let's say we have this understanding, and you, like I, have done this. You've lived a hypocritical life. 
And you're, you're asking yourself, okay, I, I understand now what this, this commandment means. What do I do now? How, how do I repent of this sin? God, the Holy Spirit has led me to an understanding of what this sin means, and I want to be an example to my family and friends and coworkers. Well, here's what repentance looks like with this verse. Number one, you ready? Honor God's name. The problem with this sin is vertical. Of course, the effects of our sin affect the people around us, but make no mistake, when you sin, you sin against a holy God and Him alone. Isn't that what Psalm 51 verse 4 tells us? Isn't that what David told us? As he began to receive an understanding of his his sin of adultery, He went right to the cross. Well, figuratively speaking. He knew he had to go to God. And that's where we go. To honor God's name, you need to know the character of God. Do you? Israel should have known his character. A Christ follower should know his character. Do you know the character of God? It's found in the pages of the Word of God. You want to repent of this sin in your life? Get to know the God of the Bible. You know, the one that tells you things that sometimes we just don't want to hear. But it's better for us. God didn't give us these commandments to get us to heaven. He gave us these commandments to give us a taste of what heaven is like when we keep them. These commandments are a testimony of God's grace, aren't they? You and I that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we now know the ugliness of our sin. It's also a testimony of God's mercy, isn't it? Because we've broken these Ten Commandments, we aren't getting what we deserve if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. But it's also a testimony of God's salvation plan. This is what it means to honor God's name. You believe the gospel. Not just for salvation, that is critical. But you understand that the gospel is the power that makes you live for Jesus every single day. Isn't that what Paul told us in Romans chapter 1? For it is the power of the gospel. Hallowed be the name of God. Is he special in your life? To truly honor God's name, you have to surrender to him. And if you're here today and... Just like me, you're thinking, well, I, I, I got, I, I think, I, I know, I like Jesus. I think he's pretty cool, and I've grown up in a Christian home or whatever it is. But I also have a couple other things I'm adding just in case, whether it's your baptism or church attendance or you're good enough or you're comparing yourself to whatever. The gospel is clear. Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Is he special enough? 
Is his work on the cross good enough? To honor God's name, it starts with salvation, but it doesn't stop there. And it leads to my second point, which in regards to an application or a repentance that comes from understanding this verse. First, honor God's name, and then number two, honor God with your life. That, that, that's exactly what this verse is trying to, this commandment is trying to point us to. Honor God with your life. If you've given him your life, then honor him with it. You honor God by keeping the commandments. Isn't that what Jesus said hours before he would die in John chapter 14, verse 15? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you say, God, you are my Lord and my Savior, it is an act of humility that is needed for your salvation, but it's the exact same humility that is needed for your daily walk. I need to surrender daily to make God's name famous. These commandments remind me just how much I need Jesus every day. How I need the Holy Spirit of God to guide me. To honor God with my life is to humbly obey what he says. Even when my emotions are are trying to steer me away with anger and jealousy and bitterness. I want to do what I want, God. Remember that God is protecting you, not withholding from you. God wants us to have an abundant life and have it while we're living today. Moses knew that a a heart had to be changed to receive this message. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Moses writes, and the Lord God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. When we have a right understanding of these commandments, it should draw us closer to God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a, list, it's a list that gets us closer to our God as we obey Him. God has given you life. All of you here are breathing, so you're alive. But I'm guessing some of you need to be born again. Some of you need a new heart. Don't ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Him to give you a brand new heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sin of unbelief, that he is truly, that he is special, that he is enough for your salvation. And your enemies of sin, Satan, and death will be eternally destroyed by his victory. And so you can live in that victory. My prayer is, is that 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, may today be the day of your salvation as God has helped you. Follower of Christ, it's simple. 
God's desire is for us to honor him and his character. Do you know it? Do you know his character? Then live it out. Live out his character of mercy and grace and forgiveness and justice. Be a testimony of God's work in your life. And as you continue to walk through these Ten Commandments, God's desire is that you would find more joy, more peace as you draw closer to Him and not your sin. Honor God's name and honor God with your life. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that You've given us this Word. We thank You that You are enough you are special. You are God and you alone can save. Lord, my prayer is that we would live for you that know you and that those that don't know you would live for you by honoring you through salvation. God, thank you. And may your work be done. In Jesus' name, amen.